Hello, welcome to my podcast, Coffee and Books. I'm your host, Scott. Hope all of you are doing well. Yes, this is the second episode for today. Um, it is very exciting. Today is a manga series, and it is based on Maroni Kenshin, my favorite uh, Toonami-inspired series that has brought me great joy over the years. I'm going to talk to you all about that today. So what is Aroni Kenshin? Aroni Kenshin is a samurai manga series from way back in 1994 to 1999. It is based on real-life Japan uh, from the late 1800s, uh, a very, very dynamic shift in the time period of Japan's history. Uh, it is the Meiji period, if you are familiar with history at all. Um, this novel, the series, I guess you could say, follows... Uh, you know, a fictional account of real history. So although it is based on real-life people, it is actually a fictionalized version of events that happen in the story, uh, but the events are, re- are real nonetheless, so we can talk about them to the extent that there are things that happen in there that did happen in real life. Okay, so let's begin. What is Aroni Kenshin? Aroni Kenshin follows a samurai who wanders place to place, doing good in the world after a brutal war. So, Roni Kenshin is a samurai wandering into Tokyo when he is mistaken uh, for an assassin by the woman, um, sorry, Kamaya. Kamaya is a dojo instructor in Tokyo who is, who is basically a person who is hunting down an assassin who's been using her school's sword style to give her a bad name. And after mistakenly attacking Ken, uh, Roroni Kenshin, she instantly apologizes and explains that he is not the person that she thought he was and that she's looking for someone else. And also, um, she, he should be more careful because people will think he is a dangerous person because he's carrying a sword, and swords are no longer allowed in Imperial Japan. Um, a murderous assassin named Batosi appears and starts attacking the police. He's using the same sword techniques as the woman Kamaya described. Uh, Roni Kenshin is investigating, uh, but Kenshin and Kamaya go back to the dojo after Kenshin rescues her from the clutches of this assassin. She explains how her dojo was started by her father and was ruined because she can no longer obtain any new students as a source of income. But Kenshin warns her that pursuing these assassins can be dangerous. The next day, Kenshin is arrested for violating the sword ban. The assistant of Kamaya, Kihi, bribes the police to let him go. Kenshin is immediately suspicious of Kihi for doing this and discovers a plot by him and his brother to buy the dojo for a cheaper price. So they are benefiting from this misery that has been placed on Kamaya. After discovering the plot with the murderous assassin who's actually the brother, uh, the dojo gang forces Kamaya to sell because she's taking too long. Um, Kenshin appears last minute and takes on the whole group or gang of thugs and defeats them all with a few quick strokes. Kamaya wants to know who Kenshin really is, but Kenshin tells her the truth and he goes by Roni Kenshin now, but he used to be the real murderous assassin, Batosi. But she thanks him for saving her life and the dojo, and he carries off into the sunset. That is chapter one. Chapter two, Kenshin is staying at the dojo now in town, but he still refuses to not take off his sword. He is interrogated by the sword corpse or a police for breaking the law. Kenshin decides only to fight when they start threatening innocent people. 
because they are one step above being thugs. Uh, the An important general named Yama, Yamagata in the army is searching for Kenshin, but believes he made a mistake coming to Tokyo, because the people in the first chapter were revealed as imposters impersonating him. However, he witnesses Kenshin battle and finds Kenshin after he wins. They have a philosophical debate about progress. They were apparently soldiers together in the revolution. Uh, Yamagata wants to pursue the revolution and keep refining Japan for the modern era, but Roroni prefers to stick to the old ways of Japan and culture, as he no longer believes the revolution to be a good, worthy cause worth fighting for. Um, after all the progress they've made, they've only made things worse, you could say. Um, so, continuing our story, Kenshin walks away, basically saying he is only one man, but he intends on defending, using the Bushido Code, as many people as he can. In Chapter 3, word on the street is that Kenshin is starting to attract uh, a following in Tokyo, because he kicked the sword corpse butt. So the dojo is all of a sudden filled with people who are attempting to learn Kenshin's sword style and technique. But Kenshin dismisses them. While out doing errands for that day, a young boy named Yahiko pickpockets Kenshin but is caught. Yahiko is forced into a gang in order to eat because his parents are dead and he's starving. He is actually descended from samurai. But Kenshin follows the boy after he sees him get beat up. Kenshin then attacks the gang that was using him as a pickpocket. They give up once they recognize who he really is. Ihiko does not want Kenshin's help, but Kenshin suggests that he study at the dojo as a way to become strong like Kenshin. In Chapter 4, the training for Yahiko begins, but he does not wish to be trained by Kamaya because she is a girl. But Kamaya does not like Yahiko either. While arguing, former students of the dojo rush to Kamaya for help. A new gang of thugs are after the former students. They say that they were attacked, or the former students say they were attacked, but Yahiko smells alcohol in their breath and senses that the former students are lying. The gang that is attacking the dojo uses a cannon to burst through the dojo. With what is possible the coolest scene I've seen in the manga so far, Kenshin cuts a cannonball in two with his sword and deflects the blow. Kenshin then tells the former students that they should forget about being students at the dojo and never use a sword again. Yuhiko then agrees, after witnessing the awesome power of Kenshin, to be trained by a Kamaya, so he can one day hope to obtain to be at Kenshin's level. Chapter 5. Kamaya finds a valuable painting and sells it for some money. This was made by her grandfather. The three of them now decide with the money that they've made that they can now afford to go out to eat. At the restaurant, three men are arguing loudly about the state of the country, while drunk. They throw a bottle that hits Kenshin on the head. They decide to start a fight with him, but Kenshin refuses and they instead attack the owner. A mystery warrior shows up and agrees to fight them. He easily defeats them, even when they resort to cheap tricks. He defeats them with one finger. Uh, he calls himself the fight merchant and will fight anyone who pays him money to do so. The villains from the first arc arrange to meet him and pay him to attack Roroni Kenshin. In chapter 6, the fight merchant, his name is Sanosuke, and goes to the dojo to fight Kenshin. The brothers reveal that they have a secret plan to shoot Kenshin. That's after Kenshin defeats Sanosuke. Kenshin and Sanosuke size each other up and ask what each other's motivations are for the battle. All that is revealed is that Sanosuke does not believe in heroes. 
Kenshin and Sanosuke discover the brother, the brother's plot to use a gun on Kenshin and destroy the gun. They go to a riverbank and begin an actual fight. Sanosuke reveals his weapon as a Zambato, which is a large sword. Both men are equally matched. And that is the end of Roroni Kenshin, Volume 1. The middle of a fight is how we end our first volume. Um, again, epic scene, epic story. Um, where do I even begin? Okay, so I like this novel in this series because the art is just something. It's so superb. It's on another level. It's excellent. I give it a 5 out of 5 just for the art. Uh, but the story is compelling. It's ancient Japan. Um, well, I should say recent historical Japan in more modern terms, but I still want to know more. I don't know enough about Japan's history, and I'm eager to learn about these revolutions and how they affected you know, the world. How did the samurai lose control? How did the imperial palace have power? Um, all these are questions I have, and Moroni Kenshin is answering some of those questions. Um, after doing some research into the history of who this was actually based off of, um, unfortunately, I will say that the real-life story of Roroni Kenshin is a little bit sad, as that person, unfortunately, did not live very long in the terms of tales of being a samurai. However, the plot of him being a former assassin who decides to do the noble thing and go down the honorable road, saving as many lives as he can, is actually true and quite redeeming and worthy of a retelling of a story. I think if this person were alive today, he would agree that this Roroni Kenshin does him justice and honors him in any possible way that a samurai could possibly be honored. Um, but yes, the legend of the samurai continues, and I hope to read volume two uh, very shortly. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. Please remember to rate and review this podcast, share it with a friend. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and this is Coffee and Books Podcast signing off.